ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Stick to football, Spence. Who doesn't know Derek Bell and Sean Barry? Right? Was that about the time he was playing here? Derek Bell, far more popular than Sean Barry. More people know Derek Bell than Sean Barry. But who doesn't know Derek Bell in this city? Stick to football, Spence. Maybe go down to the other the other side of the station. Maybe, you know, not the other side of the station, the other side of the dial. Maybe the AM side of the dial. Where they only talk football there. Mean things you said about him. What are you talking about? I mean, he says that no one knows Derek Bell. I mean, learn, learn a little bit about baseball, Spence. Just calling him out the other day again. I mean, he deserves it. He was calling us out. I'm a counterpuncher. Call me Floyd Mayweather. You're going to throw punches? I'm going to throw counterpunches. When you dropped the hole, he had one more touchdown than you or me. He actually had two. He had one receiving and one. (laughs) He he caught a touchdown as well. But I'm pretty sure I said one rushing touchdown. I don't think I was wrong. What day was that? I think I said rushing touchdown. Well, I think I actually think I was right, I but did I didn't. Twi- give him- I think you did it with Paul too, right? When we were in Vegas. Yeah, Paul told me I was wearing out the joke, which he was right. I was I was saying it too much, but that's because B Mac was playing the same rejoin every single time. B Mac trying to get creative and cute, or just trying to stir the pot. He did it. He did it. He did a good job of that. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN Killer Bees ESPN ninety seven five. He's blank on Branham. Um, we, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I'm mad on behalf of Kenyon Green. I think Nick Casario did him wrong. I think Nick Casario was uh, unhappy uh, with the criticism of his draft pick. Kenyon Green, prideful player, wants to prove he belongs in the NFL, trying to play through injury. The grown-ups in the room uh, didn't protect Kenyon Green from Kenyon Green. They allowed him to be ridiculed by being out of shape at the start of camp, ridiculed in the final preseason game by allowing a defender to spin around him untouched. And then Kenyon Green got hurt. He's going to need shoulder surgery that Dick Casario said today they knew about since May. It was a matter of when, not if. I think this is awful. But let's look at it from a team perspective, a team-building perspective, Blankers. Uh, because you you traded for Shaq Mason. Like, this entire offseason was to strengthen the offensive line. The entire offseason with the exception of left guard. Because you re-signed Laramie Tunsil. Made him the highest paid at the time left tackle in the game. You re-signed Titus Howard. You gave him top five right tackle money, which is he a top five right tackle in the NFL? Maybe a different conversation for a different day. But I think you and I are pretty much on the same page when it comes to that. Uh, you, you drafted Juice Scruggs late in the second round when a lot of people thought he had a third round grade. You traded for Shaq Mason, gave him an extension. So it's very clear that Nick Casario's offseason goal was to strengthen this offensive line ahead of a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. And you can totally understand that. You want to keep him upright. You want to give Stroud the best chance to succeed. It looks like he handled the left guard spot as bad as you can. Even if you eliminate the injury, you have a rookie who looked overwhelmed in his first year. He didn't really have a lot of hope and faith that Kenyon Green was going to get it figured out in his second year. So if Casario knew that Green was dealing with this injury, even if he didn't, just based on the film in his rookie season, did he set this team up for failure by not acquiring another guard outside of Shaq Mason? I mean, look, you can honestly nitpick about the roster and if they're ready to completely win yet and where they are in terms of depth, as we've talked about in the past. But the fact is, is before you even play a single game and know what this team could possibly be, you put them at a disadvantage. And you put them at a disadvantage because, one, you knew the kid was hurt in May, and you 
knew it was, as you said, it was inevitable, you being Nick Casario, that it was inevitable at some point that this we were going to get to this point we're at now. But yet you not only put him out there, but you didn't do your job to get the the adequate backups and possibly a starter out of it while we knew that he wasn't really playing well no matter what from what we saw last year, whether he was hurt or not. You absolutely kicked your team in the groin before you even play a regular season game. This this offensive line is in shambles right now. And I understand that there's injuries along the way. Like, you didn't expect, you probably should have expected Kenyon Green to get hurt if it was a matter of when, not if. But outside of Kenyon Green, like, Juice Scruggs injuring his hamstring doesn't look like he's going to be available in week one. Like, that's tough to account for, especially with the roster crunch in the NFL. Uh, same thing with Titus Howard. Like, you know, you give him the extension, he's going to be your right tackle for 17 games. Well, until he's not, until he breaks his hand. So you've, you've been, you've had some bad luck here. You've had some issues that have gone on that are out of your control. Quesenberry at the start of camp, that, you know, he suffers the ACL right at the beginning of camp. I totally understand that. But if you went into the season with Quesenberry, Juice Scruggs is kind of your center, backup interior offensive lineman, Titus Howard, those are, or not Titus Howard, Kenyon Green. Those are three players there. Juice Scruggs, Kenyon Green, Scott Quesenberry, where Juice is a rookie, Kenyon Green's a second-year guy who was bad as a rookie, and Quesenberry's like, you know, he's a, he's a decent center like he's maybe bottom half of the NFL starting center maybe he's a top 30 center in the world I think that's setting yourself up for failure especially with an offense that wants to run the football the way that Bobby Slowick seems to want to run the football we'll take it a step past that Jeremy we're still talking about a franchise quarterback or at least seemingly the guy you have earmarked to be your franchise quarterback in his first year starting in this league you went out and you got Shaq Mason you went out and you started to strengthen the rest of the offensive line with the exception of those two positions. Center, which, like you said, you still thought you were going to have a veteran there in Quesenberry early on if you need, and then you know eventually it would be turned over to, to juice your center of the future. But Kenyon Green, if knowing that with all the work that you did and the attention that you showed and the money that you spent to address left tackle, right tackle, and right guard, that you didn't do what you knew you had to do when it comes to left guard, let alone what you did at center, and, and at least you did draft two centers. But the fact is, is that how important and, and, and meaningful it is in any team, but especially with the quarterback situation you have, to have that on your mind, to know that this is going down, it's going to happen at some point, as you said, and you did nothing, no matter what you did with the other positions on the offensive line that you addressed, this is fireable. I don't disagree. Like this is this is about as poor as I've felt about Casario in a really long time, especially the way that he he's he talked about it today in his press conference. Now, one of the things that I kind of find interesting, like you, you said that he drafted two centers. Like Juice Scruggs, I absolutely give you. I'm not going to call a guy that you drafted in the sixth round somebody that you can rely on. But you somebody know, offensive you linemen on. are taking that low, and they end up being good good offensive linemen in this league. Uh, have they? Yeah. Like, I mean, look at the Houston Texans in the last few years with who well, they've drafted late in drafts. Like, I mean, so but that's what we have Casario trade on. I know like, the they Packers cut some of their drafted late rounders. They drafted a Runyon in the sixth round, and he was ready as a rookie. He, he was actually, he showed a lot of signs where they, they could use him as a rookie. So Runyon was probably the greatest offensive line pick in the sixth round. Like one of the very, but I, very best. Because sixth round offensive linemen get cut like they're like dime a dozen. But that's where you take a lot of them that end up 
becoming at some point. You're right. Probably not as a rookie. They're going to step right up and be something. That's, and that's my point. Like, you can't count on Jared Patterson who you took in the sixth round to be somebody that's getting, like, important snaps in his rookie year. No, but at least you're addressing it for the future when you're trying to b- you build depth and you're trying to get guys sure. that can be with you for the long haul. You're absolutely right they're that they're not going to get – in the sixth round, you're not going to expect a guy to come right in, even if he comes out of the SEC or the Big Ten, which is known for, you know, offensive linemen, if nothing else. And they're not going to come in and probably start if they were drafted that late because some team, if you were that good, would have snapped you up in the first or second round. However, at least this is literally a fireable offense, in my opinion, that if you knew his medical situation and you knew the scenario in which you could get it done now in May and also that you could start working on it before the new season even starts, the new year, I mean, and, and the new cap and everything that's going on, and you did nothing, and track record shows you, and there's receipts because you can look at the transaction wire. You can look at everything they did and who they brought in. This, to me, no matter if you're clueless Cal or if you're, you know, Hatton and Hannah, someone somewhere should take note of this and go, that can't happen in professional sports with a real general manager. And just get a left guard that you can rely on in case Kenyon Green does get hurt. Like, it's inevitable. You told us it was inevitable since May. Like, Dalton Risner's still out there. And, like, Dalton Risner now, like, it might be too late because you start the season a week from Sunday. But Dalton Risner's a, a, an average left guard in the NFL. You bring him in, not necessarily even to be the starter, but maybe push Kenyon Green a little bit and have some insurance in case Kenyon Green's unavailable, which Kenyon Green is unavailable. Uh, it, it's, it's malpractice as a general manager, I fear. And if you start to look at it a little bit more in the short term, what does the Texans' offensive line look like in week one? Like, Laramie Tunsil is going to be your left tackle. There's no doubt about that. Juice Scruggs, according to reports, is not going to be available. Left after the first series against the Saints with a hamstring strain. Shaq Mason will start. He'll be your right yep. guard. Titus Howard, like he's, I, think he's, I think he's trying to fight to get back. Although, I'm not playing Titus Howard if his hand's less than 100%. This is like, like, why are you risking that? This is like Astros in the word discomfort. Now, when you hear a guy is trying to – he wants to be out there and he's trying to play his way into being able to play – you cringe because, yeah, that's what we heard. You know, Kenyon Green wanted to be out there. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he wanted to battle with his teammates. But you got to step in and don't rush him back too quickly because now it's even more hyper important that your right tackle that you paid all this money to is there for the long haul. Yeah, but I don't trust the Texans to do what's right no, with Titus Howard. Like we, I mean. we just saw how they handled Kenyon Green. I don't trust that they're going to do what's in the best interest of Titus Howard, even though you gave him this contract extension. I could totally see the Texans playing Titus Howard before he's ready to Absolutely. come back at 80-85%. And for what? For what purpose? To win six or seven games? Like, what's the purpose of rushing Titus Howard back? Now, I understand that you play Fant. Like, he's going to be the guy who plays right tackle if Titus Howard doesn't, and that's a significant drop-off. But I'm not rushing Titus Howard back in the first game of his extension with a broken hand? The Texans offensive line is going to be so bad. Week one, it's probably going to make Jadavion Clowney look like an adequate pass rusher. Oh, nice little burn there. It's a good burn. He all the balls were right. I, uh, I was thinking about the offensive line this morning, and I wanted to go play the Ravens because because I, I think the Ravens are going to destroy the Texans because their offensive line's in shambles. I think the Texans are going to have a tough time scoring. I went and looked at the number today. You know what the number is? Seven and a half? Mm-mm. Eight and a half? Mm-mm. Five and, and a half? half. Ten and a half? Ten. <laughs> I went to play it trying to get in like early. I was like, you know, if it's like seven and a half, you know, it's a good number. It's ten. I think it opened at eight and a half. Did it? So they already adjusted the offensive line they woes. Had to, yeah. They've already adjusted the offensive line woes for the Texans. But don't they always, uh, always week one, you know, upsets can happen, and so they're a little leery about giving the big Not spread. Not with the Texans. <laughs> it's it's already a double figures. This morning, BetUS.com, I went and looked. 
It is a 10-point. So I couldn't bet it. I couldn't, I'm not going to play a 10-point game. No, not in the NFL. One. You can't. Not in the NFL. But if it was at 7.5, if it was at 9.5, I'm pulling the trigger there. Because they're going to destroy yep. the Houston Texans offensive line in week one. Because I have no idea who's going to start. Larry Tunsil will be there at left tackle. We know that. Shaq Mason will be there at right guard. We know that. Every other spot is up in the air. I have no clue. And anybody that tells you they have a clue outside of the dudes at NRG have no idea. The- like Josh Jones could be in the starting lineup. Go Cougs. The, the Kendrick... The uh, Kendrick Greener, they just acquired from Pittsburgh, who was a fullback during training camp. He could be in the Jared Patterson could start. They could sign somebody tomorrow that could start. I have no idea what sixty percent of the offensive line for the Texans is going to be a week from Sunday. That, the, that they're going to get hammered. The Texans, so is CJ Stroud then? Yeah. I, hopefully they just run the ball. Hopefully they realize the state of their offensive line. They're smart about the state of their offensive line. They say, you know what? Like We're not <laughs> expecting to be a playoff team this year. Yes, we want to win games, but we need to make sure that we don't destroy our rookie franchise quarterback in the first game of his NFL career. I forgot to tell you guys this. We're going to run it 50 times. When you guys were in Vegas, Barry Laminette came on the show and said there's a 40% chance that, C- that uh, Davis Mills would start week one. And then we got a caller that doubled down and said 80%. The only reason why it makes sense in either percent case is if they're dealing with an offensive line like this and you're risking putting C.J. Stroud out there in front of that mess. You might have to put Barry on bad take bullets. No question. I forget the caller's name that went to 80, but... Barry was adamant at forty percent. I'm like, you sure? Was this There's before no way. they announced? I guess it would have been before it, they it announced. Was before they announced. Oh, the pre- last before. preseason game was Sunday. Well, no, it was a few days before. before, right? It would have been because he he worked Thursday, Friday. I you meant they played that, Sunday. That he's out for the year. No, I meant uh, when they announced Stroud as the starter. They oh, announced Stroud yeah, as the starter was Sunday. It was so it was two, yeah. three, four days yep. before that. But yeah, that's a. Uh, look, I get where you're coming from, but they're not gonna they're not gonna pull the starting job from CJ Stroud. I said five percent. And I said five percent only based on an injury. It's one percent, and that's in case he doesn't go. Like I mean, he's he's the starting quarterback of this team. Now, you're, but now he ha- obviously I agree with you. But now you're going to put him out there, and you're going to put him out there with the with the scenario and the possibility. Yeah, you run the ball every time. Yeah, then he is going to be running <laughs> for his life like he did in week one. Run the ball every single time. You're not. It's not going to be productive, but at least you're keeping your franchise quarterback healthy. 713-780-3776. A lot of people are looking at Nick Casario's draft record uh, because of this Kenyon Green news, injury, things like that. How do we feel about Nick Casario's draft record now? Now that he's going into his third year, now that he has a 53-man roster for his third season, is Nick Casario a good drafter? Is he a poor drafter? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. First a moment on HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. It's Cougar owned by Mike Holly. He, he, he might play left guard for the Texans on Sunday. Do a pretty good job of it. Used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect you and your business. HRP members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. Business owners, you have to let HRP help you. They can help you with HR compliance. They can help with benefits administration, payroll, onboarding. HRP can help in any or all of those areas. There's no boxes with HRP. Small job, big job, doesn't matter. HRP completely customizes a plan for what you and your business need. You have a problem, you have an issue, you have a little bit on your plate, a lot on your plate. HRP will find a way to help you. And they do it in a way that's unique. Technology meets service. They have the best tech. You'll love that. You'll trust that. 
you will fall in love with their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You won't be talking to a stranger on a call board. You'll be talking to someone who knows you. They know your business. They're familiar with your business. We have HRP here at Gal. Anytime that I have a question about my HRP, I fire off an email. I don't like talking on the phone. So I fire off an email, always get a quick response, always very easy to understand, very thankful for HRP. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. What do you think of Nick Casario as a uh, as a drafter? I mean, look, and I, I think more, more than a lot of people, I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was the one that thought that he handled the Watson trade well. I I, I, I try to look for g- ways to give him at least an open-minded approach to the fact that he he should keep his job. Even in the offseason, I said, if we're having the same conversation in a year, then he's definitely on the hot seat or he should already be fired. I didn't expect to hear this kind of stuff. I didn't expect to look at this because I looked at the draft a year ago and I thought, you know what? Yeah, the first round is up for debate. But I thought, you know what, Stingley didn't play a, a, a defense that was best suited to to take advantage of his skill set. Cannon Green's going to get better. We knew at A&M he was a hell of a run blocker. He's just got to learn to pass block, but he'll get better. But I know that I loved Pierce. I loved Petrie. I, I loved Harris. Uh, I loved the fact that you went and got Mechie, and no one could have first, you know, had the wherewithal to see what was coming for him uh, w- off the field with his medical condition. Now you hope that someday we'll see the full potential of John Mechie. But I liked a lot, you know, a lot of the pieces in that draft in rebuilding this squad. But now everything's on the table and everybody's scrutinizing everything he's done. And when you look at the body of work, it hasn't been all that great. And now you know that whether he was hurt or not, we already were hyper-scrutinizing Green. We already know that it's a big make-or-break kind of prove-it year for Stingley. So... You go back further than that. You actually traded up to get Mills. Nico Collins is starting, but is he ever going to be anything more than... You, you didn't trade up for Mills. You traded up for Nico. Oh, you traded up for Nico, sorry. Yeah, you and, you for drafted, Nico. and you drafted Mills. Which was his first ever pick. Right, and he didn't have a first or a second, and he went right there at quarterback, first pick of the third. I, I'm not. I, I'm underwhelmed by a lot of his drafts. I like what they did a year ago. You know, this year remains to be seen, but I thought they got some quality, but... I, I, nothing to really write home that I much. Think he's and and I question that trade. You know that. We both do. Right. I, I, I've been adamant at how much I I would not have given up your own pick. I mean more from like a player evaluation, selecting picks, how confident are you that that player is going to turn out to be good. We now have three years of intel on, uh, on Nick Casario. Now, this year... They haven't played a game yet, a right. real NFL game. So it's hard to draw any sort of conclusions on the 2023 uh, NFL draft. But you can look at 2022, and 2021's tough, too, because he didn't have a first, didn't have a second-round pick with the situation that he inherited. Obviously, lots of people are giving Casario some grief today, critiquing Casario a lot, because Kenyon Green's not going to play in his second season. This year's draft, and again, you can't really give any sort of grades on this yet, 
you have Stroud. He's a starter. Will Anderson's a starter. Drew Scruggs would be a starter if he was healthy. Tang Dell should be a starter, but he's probably your fourth receiver. Uh, Dylan Horton, like he's a backup at least right now. Don't know what he's going to be. Hadn't really done much in the preseason. Toa Toa's been a nice camp story, but we hear nice camp stories all the time. Let's see where he's at in three years. Jared Patterson's on the team. Xavier Hutchinson's on the team. And then Brandon Hill is their seventh rounder who did not make the team. Okay, 2023, we don't really know a whole lot about. Because a lot of people are saying that D'Amico Ryan's cleaned up some of the bad Nick Casario things that he's done to this organization. 2022, go back to last year. Stingley, now while he's a starter, he didn't have a great rookie year. And Sauce, who went right behind him, might have been the best rookie in the last 10 years. Kenyon Green, bad as a rookie, placed on the IR. Not good marks on Casario there. Petrie is a second. Really good pick. Yep. Starter, really good pick. Mechie, like I'm willing to throw out Mechie from the conversation because I don't know how to evaluate Mechie. Mechie with leukemia, no one can envision that happening. What should we expect from Mechie coming off of leukemia? I, I don't think it's really fair to throw Mechie into this conversation. Christian Harris is looking like a, like a solid starter for you. That's a good pick. Damian Pierce, one of the better, you know, top half of the NFL running backs. Good pick. Now Thomas Booker in the fifth round, cut. Quentin Tarantino in the fifth round should have been cut because you're so weak at tight end. He's a backup on this team. Austin Deculus, the tackle from uh, LSU, offensive lineman from LSU. He's cut, didn't make the team, probably going to practice squad him. 2021, Davis Mills, third rounder, is a backup. I would like to trade him for a fourth. You traded up for Nico Collins in the third. He's a starter right now, but we've never seen Nico Collins perform on the football field. Maybe this year is a breakout year. I hope that it is, but to this point, you traded up for a dude in the third round, and he hadn't given you a whole What's lot. What's your expectation? If you would just call it right now, and what's the ceiling because for Nico Collins I don't think that, it's he that, can, high. that he can achieve? This, the, the wide receiver room outside of Tank just isn't great. Like I feel like he's going to put up numbers out of necessity. Like they're going to. But I think overall, on a good team or a better than average team, he's an NFL he's a backup. Guy. Yeah, I think he's. An, I think he's an NFL backup. Like he's definitely not an NFL one. He's definitely not an NFL two. Like I, I think that he's definitely a backup. Brevin Jordan, fifth rounder, he's a backup. He should also have been cut. Yep. Garrett Wallow, cut. You're going to put him on the practice squad. Roy Lopez, you cut with the injury. So like, it's kind of a mixed bag there. I, last year's draft, I'm a fan of. I think last year's draft was good. 2021, didn't have a first, don't have a second. It's difficult. And this year's draft, it's way too early to tell. Casario's getting a lot of criticism. I blasted Casario earlier for malpractice with the way that he handled Kenyon Green. I think Casario's draft have been okay. And I, don't I think they've pull, been okay. I don't pull, like, just to clarify, too, Roy Lopez is actually back on the team. Did they, did they bring him back and IR him? He, he didn't get claimed, so he's on the IR, so he's out for the season, so yeah. he's like still on the Texans. But he was cut. He was cut. He was, he was cut yeah. and IR'd. Um, so that was Casario. But Casario's taking a lot of grief for his draft picks because of Kenyon Green's news. Nick Casario was asked today about cutting some of his draft picks. I want you to listen closely. Does this sound defensive to you from Nick Casario? Yeah, I mean, every team goes through it. I mean, it's the way it goes. So some of it's cost of doing business. So, I mean, injuries sometimes are things that, you know, you can control, whatever a player's status is. I mean, you know, we got to make decisions. So, I mean, you know, I've said this countless times. Um, you know, the draft is a flip of the coin. I mean, so, I mean, whatever it is, it is. You get the players on a team or you create a roster, create competition, keep the players that you feel make the most sense some players you can't keep for various circumstances whatever the situation is so i mean honestly don't spend too much time on that so i mean players go on and off rosters daily draft picks go on and off rosters i mean you've seen players traded that were drafted in the second round you've seen players drafted you know trading that were drafted in the first round the third round i mean it's cost of doing business so 
you know, try to go back and look at, you know, if there's anything we missed or something different. I would say with those players, nothing really changed. I think they're what we thought they were going to be. They're good players. They're all probably going to be in this league for a period of time, whether they're playing for us or for somebody else. So there you go. Does that sound defensive to you from Nick Casario? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think about this too, and it goes back to what we said about when we were talking about the, the Kenyon Green situation and how the remorse and the sorrow you felt in D'Amico's voice, and it almost gave me the feeling that he wasn't involved in the process of when the surgery happened. I hear that from Nick, and then I go back to listening to D'Amico from his press conference when he was hired to everything he talks about, about the importance of those late-round picks and being able to find guys that he can, he can coach and nurture and turn into something. But if, you're not, if, you're, if he's not involved in the process, it would concern me because he, he's found guys that have big tickers that really have the heart and desire to play, and he gets the best out of players. And I'm hearing in what I'm hearing from Casario, basically, you know, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. It's a flip of the coin, and, it's, and it seems like those late-round picks that maybe this is why he was so flippant about trading them so quickly, it just seems like he's almost treating – he talks like he's treating those more like throwaways than potential to find a diamond in the rough. He sounded very defensive to me, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. I, I tend to do that at times. Uh, the, the thing that I didn't like about that was, was saying that these drafts, these draft picks are coin flips. And look, okay, like I, I hear you on that. A draft, a draft is a crapshoot. Like – you know that is true. Like you're you're not saying anything that's not true. Saying it's a coin flick, say, saying that it's a crapshoot. Okay, I'll concede that to you. I'm willing to understand that. I'm willing to give that to you. But if you think it's a crapshoot, if you think that it's a flip of the coin, why are you trading up so much? Why are you trading these coin flips and these crapshoots so often to trade up? That's the part that I like to me. That's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Like if you're going to tell me it's a crapshoot coin flip in, in, in NFL draft is hard to predict. Yeah, you're right, Nick. I agree. But if you're going to have that mindset and logic, I don't think that you should be willy nilly trading up every single draft multiple times. That to me is talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, and it's Doesn't also add up to me. I think it's also a guy that that clearly understands now. If he didn't understand it before, he's in the crosshairs. His seat is red hot. It's already the microwave's been turned to high, and they've already hit start because there's just a lot going on right now because of what happened with Kenyon Green that it's been turned up, and he's going to have to face. This is what he's going to be all year. This he's going to have to be because he better hope that the rest of his his draft class from this year has, turns out to be better than the first rounders of a year ago. He better hope that Stingley shows that it was him playing the wrong system and playing man is going to help him and being in a D'Amico system is going to help him. Uh, and he better help, hope that the guys that performed well for him out of last year's draft continues to perform because th- there is so much negativity and bad after all the positivity that this organization, top to bottom, business to football has had about what just happened with Kenyon Green. Yeah. Uh, King of Twitch says... Um coin flip my behind uh, there's no way the draft picture 50 50 especially in the first three rounds yeah right. i mean that's where that's where a general manager's supposed to make their money is player evaluation remember rick smith used to get killed because they said everybody can make a first round pick because yeah. those are can't miss those are hits mm-hmm. it, it's it's where you get re, uh, analyzed is your your third fourth fifth round picks because rick smith had the three guys that were on the road they got caught smoking weed in the hotel room and were all cut and they kept looking at the rest of his track record well you better look at all the next track record because there's a lot to question. 713-780-ESPN, HRNP listener line, 713-780-3776. Brantley's back. 
Jordan is back. Does Brantley being back make you nervous about Yiner Diaz's playing time? Is the Astros' offense back? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Football is back. Football season is here, and the U of H home opener is right around the corner. This Saturday, cannot wait. Kickoff at 6 o'clock as the Cougars kicking off their first season as members of the Big 12. Celebrate Houston is the theme for Week 1, and of course, today's the birthday of the city of Houston. A great matchup as we celebrate Houston. Cougs hosting the Roadrunners from UTSA. Family four-packs are available. Get those right now. Four tickets, four hot dogs, four chips. Four sodas, all for just $60. 713-GO-COOGS, uhcougars.com slash tickets for tickets. Individual tickets are also available. Maybe you don't want to do the family four-pack. Uh, you can't eat that much. You don't have four tickets to, to use. Well, the individual tickets are available, and they're only $20. Come early and enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, food trucks, and more. Spirit of Houston will be performing at halftime, as always. Entertainment by Cheer leaders, Cougar Doll, Shasta, Sasha, DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section, all the pomp and circumstance of college football. Get your tickets now. Houston UTSA played a thriller last year, and the Cougars looking to start the season off with a victory. Get your tickets at 713-GO-COUGS, uhcougars.com slash tickets. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. We didn't want to uh, tease you with the um, the read I had earlier, which you should be getting your U of H UTSA tickets. But because we're kind, because we're nice, because we're gentlemen, um, we're going to give away some tickets right now. U of H taking on UTSA Saturday, celebrating the first game in the Big 12. Because it's the first game of the Big 12, caller 12, 713-780-3776, wins a pair of tickets to see U of H Saturday, September 2nd against UTSA. You can also get a family four-pack, four tickets, four hot dogs, four chips, four sodas for just $60, uhcougars.com slash tickets, 713-GO-COUGS. Individual tickets also just $20, uhcougars.com slash tickets or 713-GO-COUGS. Call number 12, 713-780-3776. Pair of tickets heading your way to see the Cougars' home opener against the UTSA Roadrunners. Should be a thriller. Cannot wait for Saturday. College football season is here. Um, We saw Brantley come back yesterday. Jordan swinging a hot bat. Astros offense doing some good things again today. Seven runs on 11 hits so far through seven. Um, Are we nervous about Yiner's playing time now that Michael Brantley is back? Is there a solution here? I... I mean, I don't know that there is. I think that at the end of the day, what you're probably going to hear from Dusty is going to be more focused on, are you want to win a World Series or do you want to see the development of a young kid? And I think that we know that Pawpaw's belly always leans towards veterans and always leans towards experience and always leans towards his his circle of dust and his trust. And Brantley's going to clearly be in it, especially the way he's been hitting the baseball. Maldi's going to be in it whether you like it or not. And it's not just going to be Verlander, Verlander and Fromber. I just got this feeling that Pawpaw's belly's going to have a feeling that in the playoffs, Maldi's the guy I got to have back there. He's he's the gamer in the playoffs. He's the guy. A- a- and as much as I've been adamant, Yiner's got to be in there every day, you can't fight Dusty 
on these decisions, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And I don't think Yiner's going to play as much as anybody wants him to play. Uh, Vasquez got some starts last year in the playoffs, like a decent amount of starts, and Yiner's a better offensive player but, than, than Vasquez was. So I think I think Yiner is going to catch the guys that he has been catching. I think he's going to catch Hunter Brown. I think he's going to catch J.P. France. I think Maldi's going to get J.V., Fromber, Javier, or Keedy. I think that's the divide there. So Yiner plays with... Hunter Brown with J.P. France, assuming they're all starters in the playoffs. We don't know that's the case. The easy thing that you do is that, you know, against lefties, Yiner's probably your D.H. Brantley maybe does not play against lefties. The other thing that you do is you play him at first base. Yeah. Like, if, but, if you think that Yiner Diaz is going to give you more offensive production than Jose Abreu, then Yiner Diaz should be in the lineup ahead of Jose Abreu. I just, I don't think he's going to do it. Because- right, but the question was, what's the solution and what would you do? That's what I would do. I would have Yiner Diaz catch J.P. France, catch Hunter Brown, and then the other three, four pitchers that are pitching, maybe in the playoffs, uh, Yiner Diaz plays first base for me over Jose Abreu because he's a better offensive player right now than Jose Abreu is. As much as we've seen what we've seen and what we know about Yiner playing defense defensively as a catcher too, I don't think Dusty feels that way. I, I think Dusty feels like he's still learning things. I feel like, I feel like again, the, the same way when we talk about Dusty's going to do the things he does in the regular season, he won't do it in the playoffs. I also feel like come playoff time, he's going to be hell-bent on experience and veterans and guys he trusts. And I don't feel I, – I think you're right. That's the lineup that – that's where he should be playing. I don't see I – I just don't feel like Dusty's going to do that. I think he'll catch France and Hunter Brown. And I – if I'm trying to predict what Dusty's going to do versus what I would do, because I would get, I would play Yonder at first base over, over Abreu because he's a better offensive player, I don't – think it's going to be full-time, but I think Dusty would play Yiner at first base in the postseason. Like, if Abreu's struggling, I don't think it's his first option, but if Abreu struggles out of the gate and he's looking to, like, you know, get something going offensively type of situation, I could see Yiner absolutely playing first base. Uh, but I, I do think Dusty will give Jose Abreu the first crack. But in terms of, like, Brantley being back, does it cut down the playing town of, of Yiner Diaz? Yes. Yeah, I think it's obvious but that it cuts do down Do you think Singleton's time. on the playoff roster? No. No, like, okay. I think like they're more like a carry a third catcher than Singleton. Uh, but it's a question simply because of the trust of Dusty at first base. I think that Yiner gets first base run before John Singleton. I, I hope so. I don't think it's debatable, honestly. I, I think Dusty thinks Singleton's a better first baseman. I think it's pretty evident that that Dusty yeah. So that's that. what worries. It's why he's playing first base with a ground ball pitcher in Fromber Valdez. That's why today. it worries me? I just I don't think that you get to a spot where Singleton's getting a playoff start, period. Like, Singleton's not getting a playoff start ahead of Abreu. The reason Singleton's playing today is because Abreu got a day off. So, Singleton, I don't think, would ever start ahead of Abreu. No, but, but my, that's my question, though, was just, what, do you think he's going to be on the playoff roster? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, if they keep 14 guys, like Joe was talking about yesterday, which they did last year in the first round in the, in the ALDS, because fewer games, you have two off days, um... I think so. I think so because right now he's he's being carried, and you have thirteen. There's two other op- there's three other options. I think from like a fourteen man uh, position player perspective, Jolks, which maybe that's not even an option. Uh, Gray Kessinger to make sure there's another infielder, which I think is an option. I think if Gray Kessinger didn't get sick, that he was probably still on this roster. And then the other ones, what Joe just said, where you you have a third catcher. I, I think that Singleton's going to have a tough time cracking the playoff roster, though. Maybe ALDS if the Astros are lucky to get to an ALCS. I, I honestly don't see it. I think if you see it, it says a lot about Dusty's lack of trust in Yiner at first base, which would be disappointing. But I, but I, I, I just Astros fans would riot too. Well, 
I don't think he cares. No, he doesn't care, but the Astro fans would care, Absolutely. and they would riot. They yeah. would not be very happy about that. I, I don't think – now, the other thing, too, with the playoff roster is that doesn't count as, like, he's off of the 26-man roster, so it's not right. like he becomes a free agent, like we know right now. Like, if the Astros were to – they can't send down John Singleton to the minors right now because he's out of options. Mm-hmm. That does not – the playoff structure, the playoff roster is different. So, like, he wouldn't be released if he doesn't make and the playoff roster. If injury or something else, he could end up – being used later on in the playoffs. I think what's interesting too about the the DS thing is like if you play a five game series in the ALDS, Molly's going to catch three of the games and Diaz will catch two. Uh, what's that? If you in a, in a ALDS in a five game, it depends series? on how the rotation sets up because it's like Verlander and Fromber. if it goes five. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it goes five, Verlander and Fromber, Molly catches those guys. JP mm-hmm. France catches Hunter Brown and. Well, now uh, you're going to come back with your game one starter. Yeah. For game four? For game five. Five. So, yeah, Diaz would catch Hunter Brown and J.P. France game three and four. If, if that's your four-man rotation. Which I, I, I think it's going to be. I do not I, think Christian Javier would be is mine? going to be the playoff rotation. It would be mine, but I think that Dusty would have Javier in there right now. There's the Dusty thing again. I just I don't know how you want to win a World Series and think Christian Javier. Pedigree. Well. It's just what I just got done saying. Pedigree can kiss my ass. <laughs> well, but, but, but you know that it's about... Like, Trust, experience, and yeah. Dusty's belly. But trust what? Like Dusty Baker was on, did an interview like yesterday, and he said they can't figure out what's wrong with Christian Javier. He admitted it. He's well, like, I, we don't know what's wrong. I told you what's wrong with Christian Javier. He's chunky. He's a little heavy. So he's a couple cheeseburgers away from his mechanics being good. He's got chipmunk cheeks. It's a little. He's a little chunky. Like little, he a, can't. He should not be in the playoff rotation. And then that means Diaz is catching. Two out of every four games. If I'm sitting in my playoff rotation right now, it's JV Fromber, probably in that order. Um, JP France, Hunter Brown. That that's my four man rotation right this second. Worse and then if you're going, that's... if you go to a game five in the ALDS, then you're just bringing back JV. So Maldi would start three of those games, and, and Yiner would start two of those games for me. And honestly, like what's the Javier thing gives them this like interesting wrinkle. So what they can do is they can intend to start Hunter Brown in the fourth game of a playoff series, but you could send him to the bullpen. And he could pitch in like game three, and Javier could go game four. Like, there's a bunch of different things you can do, but I just don't know how you intend to start Christian Javier in a meaningful playoff game right now. There'd be a lot of TBDs, I bet. Yeah, you're right. There would be a lot of, yeah, he's probably our game four starter, but he'd be available in game three if necessary type of stuff. Thankfully, you don't have to make that decision tomorrow. Yeah. But so maybe he can get on the treadmill, or maybe he can work some things out, or they can find something. But you just hope to God while everything's sorting itself out with the the pennant race. You also hope that they can sort some things out with Javier because I really believe Dusty's not only going to have him there, he's going to plan on using him. I wouldn't hate a Javier IL stint tomorrow. Lucas Giolito. Uh-huh. Matt Moore. Ronaldo Lopez. Whatever. I wouldn't mind Javier taking a 15-day sabbatical where he's eating clean and he's running miles and see if that fixes so what are the it. Is it only 15 and 60 now? Are those the only options? Uh, not 15 a, for a pitcher. There's not like a 30. No, no. There's only 15 and 60. Now, if you're a position player, you get 10. They have the bereavement list, which is like seven. So maybe you can like make up a bereavement. Maybe go 15 and then a rehab stint. Make up a bereavement for Javier. What'd you say? Just, well, 15 and then he plays in Sugarland for a little bit. He doesn't, yeah, they got just, three weeks of baseball left. There you go. There you go. Give him a little rehab after the 15. That's what That's what you could do. Is you can give him a 15-day IL stint and then start a rehab after he's available to come off the IL. And then you can kind of doctor the dates that way. 
Uh, the Astros' offense is clicking, by the way. Did you, did you see these numbers that Brian McTaggart posted yesterday? McTaggart uh, posted some stats. The Astros have the second most runs since the All-Star break behind only the Braves, and they have the most hits since the All-Star break. It's an offense that can carry you. Who's Seven, third? Who's third? Uh, <laughs> the most hits since the All-Star break, Dodgers are third. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the, not most, what I was asking. the most runs scored since the All Star break. Third is that team from the uh, from the North Side of Chicago. Yeah, not the one that has the lady hiding guns in her fat rolls. From now on, I refuse to mention the Cubs on our show. It's I will hard. never say Cubs. I don't ever usually force it in, but I couldn't resist. You got two in a row, huh? Where do y'all stand in the division? Three back. Oh, okay. So they beat the crew today. Seattle beat the A's today. That game just went final as well. Close game, but the Mariners win it. All right, 713-780-3776. See if we have an Astro, Astros game to to uh, to react to. And then Joe's got the will of bits, too. Who knows where he's going to take us there. It's Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. I've been telling you about them all the time, but I'm telling you now because it's football season. You know, college football season is in full swing already. You know that the uh, NFL is getting underway shortly. You know you want to watch all those games, and you want to make those games more entertaining, possibly even more enjoyable if you win money. That's why you go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the only place you need to go, the one-stop shop for everything you need to do gambling, because it's all right there in front of you. All the sports, all the action, all the games, and because you are a customer at mybookie.ag, you're going to get extra bonuses. They're going to take care of you every step of the way. Just remember the promo code for bonuses, bet975. When you use that, anytime they ask for it, when you see or you can see where you put in the code, you put in bet975, you get extra money added on top of what you put into your account, therefore more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and more chances to win. They also, aside from just sports bets, they have live dealers standing by so you can get in on blackjack and all the casino games right there at mybookie.ag. Check it out. It's the only place I tell you to go because they've got all of the they got the the newcomers bonus. They've got the the re up bonus. They've got all kinds of bonuses for you. Just remember that promo code bet nine seven five. All you do is go to mybookie.ag, start putting money into your account, either set up an account or do a reload bonus. Put in my uh, the the bet nine seven five code. Cash in with a little extra in your account so you can have even more fun. It's like I always tell you: bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. No Astros game to react to yet. They're still playing ball at Fenway. Seeking the sweet, Mariners uh, came from behind, beat the single A's. Thanks to the single A's for at least winning one. That was nice of you, single A's. We appreciate that. Uh, Astros jumped out to a 7-0 lead today and now they're clinging to that lead uh, seven to four now Frommer got touched up a little bit in the six Kendall Graven left the game with an injury a back injury which is not great uh, but PC coming up after us late hits he'll, he'll have all the reaction you need uh, Astros trying to lock up the sweep in Boston before a day off tomorrow all right Joe what do we have for our will of bits to oh, Joe tells us we're not ready. Uh, Joe's had uh, let's see two hours and fifty one minutes waiting for this single moment. Uh, you can make the case. Well, you know he's going to wait till the the previous segment ends. So about two and a half minutes, three minutes. Oh, now you're ready, Joe. Okay, here we go. Will of bits. It's the wheel of bits on the killer bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. One must go. Here's Joel and Jeremy. 
and Joe. <laughs> One uh, must go. One must go. One must go. Uh, I'm trying to find your tweet from the other day, Jeremy, because it was the inspiration for At this. Jeremy Branham. Um, so I'm just going to throw out three options for you guys. We'll see how this goes. One must go. Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's. Taco Bell, McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A? One must go forever. For me, it's easy. Uh, McDonald's. Good luck. You're never getting a good fry oh, again. That's so tough. Uh, I, I, McDonald's you like because... Fries. You don't like their dollar cuts I love the their app. fries. They're, they're McMuffins. They're... Uh, they're McGriddles. See, that's the thing. It's the McDonald's breakfast that, like, they can't be the answer for me. I like McDonald's But you breakfast. can get breakfast tacos. They're six-piece chicken nugget uh, bundle. They're 250 double cheeseburger bundle. Keep going. It's your choice to make when you when it's your turn to go your direction. I, I just know that McDonald's, when I look at those nuggets, and I know that it doesn't look like real chicken, and then I saw that thing about how it looks like pink soft-serve ice cream before they bread it and fry it. I watched that in high school, and then I... I went to get McDonald's after I watched it. It made you Did want you McDonald's? Really? I don't know. I just like, That's I watched it. I was like, this isn't dis- disgust me. I'm hungry. Let's That's go get McDonald's. Odd behavior that that worked as an advertisement for you. Fries are really good, but I can get the breakfast at the Bell. And You get I, Bell breakfast? You can. I know that they have it. I've never had oh, Taco Bell breakfast. I haven't either, actually. The I've one never, I haven't I tried is the one that the, the, the sandwich, the crunch wrap sandwich that Pete Davidson is hawking for oh, them yeah. now. People say it's really good. Yeah, yeah. it is good. But they, so that you get so you take the breakfast out of the equation because you can get it at the Bell, and, and I think if I'm going chicken for the best chicken, I'm just going to go to Chick Fil A. So if I want to mix it up a little bit and go a little bit with the, the the Taco Bell, I can go that way. I got the breakfast covered, and I just think for the majority of what McDonald's is serving up, it ain't great. This is uh this is tough for me because I'm a fast food fiend. I love fast food. It's a problem. It's my biggest vice, no doubt. I couldn't have told that the way you rifled off everything they have on the menu. And the I, I, I have all three of these apps. I have the Taco Bell app. I have the McDonald's app. I have the Chick-fil-A app. You kidding me? You don't get a body like this without having the apps of Taco Bell, McDonald's, and Chick-fil-A. These are all great for me. I love these all. I love all three of these places. Um... I'm probably with you here, Blankers. I'm probably going to go McDonald's. I know that I just you know gave a pitch for McDonald's, but I'm probably going to go McDonald's. I think the Taco Bell has the best value in fast food at the moment with the $5 cravings box. You get three things, a drink, and some cinnamon twist for 5 bucks. That's the best value in town. It's the best value in town. So I can't kick Taco Bell off this list. Taco Bell is fantastic. I do love a lot of things at McDonald's. I love those two bundles. I like the McMuffin bundle because you get those hash browns. Hash browns are so good. You get the dollar Coke if you have really the app. Good. McGriddles are unbelievable. McGriddles smack. So good. But but I like the other two options a little bit more. A little bit more. For Taco Bell is ahead of McDonald's. Give me Chick-fil-A too because Chick-fil-A gives you tons of options. You're right. The chicken's way better there. Yep. Their fries aren't bad either. I don't, think I don't like the waffle fries. I, I like them but they're not as good as mcdonald's fries but but they give me like a pretty healthy substitute not a healthy yeah, the potato fix is taken a pretty care. yeah okay. exactly like it gives me a potato substitute for mcdonald's french fries and then if you want to get like healthy they have way, they have way better salads their salads are wrap. pretty good at chick-fil-a yeah. I'll give i'm you really that. excited for this pimento cheese that joe's bringing in tomorrow love mcdonald's love mcdonald's but I'm giving the edge to Taco Bell and Chick-fil-A. Give right, me a so McDonald's salad, said no one ever. I've, ha- I've done it. I used their to. Bacon, Have you? Their bacon ranch salad. It's not bad, but it's not yeah. anything like Chick-fil-A. Here's the deal. I, yeah, I've I done love... It. I've I done love, everything at fast food places. I love McDonald's breakfast, and my number one vice is Coca-Cola. Yeah, love Coca-Cola. And the Coca-Cola and McDonald's, their recipe is different. It's just, it hits on a different level, and I, I, I can't 
I, I love Taco Bell. They're adamant about making if, sure if that Chick-fil-A, that mix with the Coke is spot if, on. If Chick Fil A so would just good. open on Sundays, I couldn't. I wouldn't do this. Mm. But the fact that I can't get you on Sundays, and at least every other Sunday, I want Chick Fil A. I'm cutting you. You're off the team. Buy Chick Fil A, Taco Bell, and McDonald's. Wow. I just I can't do it. Like you're not open on Sundays when I need you. So this Sundays you me. go to the Bell, and the rest of the week you can go to. to Chick-fil-A. I just love McDonald's breakfast and Coke too much. It's, I can't give it up. What do you? What breakfast do you get at McDonald's? McGriddle. The McGriddle's so good. They're, I used they're, I used to get the bacon, egg, and cheese bagel from there, but then they discontinued it. Well, the McMuffin. Is, here's mm. the, here's the hot take: is that I wish the McGriddle would have the McMuffin egg. I don't like the could flappy you, egg on the McGriddle. Could you ask I, I for think that? I think you can. I usually go with the McMuffin though because it's the two fifty bundle. But the McGriddle is really good. But if you put it, if you put the McMuffin egg on a McGriddle, game changer. They use that. I didn't realize they didn't use it for the McGriddle. They use that tin, that circular yeah. tin that gets the egg just perfect yeah. for the for the McMuffin. Great egg. Yep. They need to use that egg on all of their egg options. All right, does it for us. Thanks, good to egg Joe is coming up next. For doing all the hard work, he's Blank on Brandon. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. Late hits, Patrick Creighton next on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.